Hey, I'm Nicole from Squashletic, and welcome to Train Hard, Work Smarter, a podcast focused on helping you become a better squash athlete. If you're a dedicated squash player who loves learning and improving, this show is for you. We'll be talking all things training, from strength to mobility to ghosting, as well as other topics that support your training and development, like nutrition, mindset, and much more. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It is a Friday evening here. I know, exciting Friday evening. (laughs) I've actually just finished coaching a tournament match virtually for a girl who is playing in a tournament down in Houston. So she won, which was exciting. And now because I was so invested and amped up watching her match via FaceTime, I thought it'd be a good time to just knock this episode out. So that's why I'm here right now. Also, I've got a tournament coming up next week in Calgary, which I'll be leaving for in a couple of days. And so I don't really have any big plans this weekend. I'm going to keep it pretty tame. And so I thought, hey, I'm standing anyways, may as well knock this out because I don't think I'm going to bring my microphone with me to Calgary and record it all while I'm there. Generally, during tournaments, I try to keep my work to a minimum. So I'll do work with clients, as in I'll do the programming and I'll check in with clients. But in terms of content creation, I try to keep that to a minimum because I find it takes a lot of mental energy, mental creative energy. So that's why I thought I'd try and get as much of that done before going. And then while I'm there, I'm going to see my parents as well because they're coming out. And so that'll be really nice. I can spend some time with them. My cousin also lives in Calgary. So I can just spend a bit of time relaxing when I'm not playing and competing and training and see my family, which is kind of a nice treat. Calgary is always, it's always, it's cold. (laughs) Well, it's cold in the wintertime, but the people are nice and they're always really friendly. And it is at altitude though. So that's always pretty challenging to adapt to at the beginning because obviously the air is thinner so if you're not used to it or until you get used to it you can feel like you're really short of breath so that's something that I definitely noticed last time that I played when I got into a hard match I think it was in the semis I definitely noticed that so it'll be good to go a couple days early get used to it and get a couple of hard runs out there not really long but at least have a good 20 minutes or so where you feel like you're breathing hard and I feel like that really helps you adapt to the altitude. And in other news, what else has been going on? Well, as you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, the podcast just launched. The week before that, I launched the Squash Mobility Program, which is basically a collection of warm-ups, cool-downs, mobility sessions, and also some recovery sessions. So if you're looking to improve your mobility or flexibility, or you just don't know what to do before playing squash, that collection is great. And I can say hands down that the mobility section of the Squashletic app, it's the most used by far. The members are always in there doing the mobility sessions, the pre-squash warm-ups, and all that sort of stuff. So if you are interested in that, I'll include a link in the show notes for you to go check that out. I love those sessions. I do them all the time. I don't follow them in the app because I know them by heart, (laughs) but I do all of the exercises that are in there. So I don't just tell you to do them. I actually do them myself as well. And in addition to the mobility program, I also closed the Squashletic membership last week because I wanted to have a little bit more time and energy to focus on helping the members improve. And so far as the membership is concerned, I'll still be selling the other programs on the side like Squash Mobility and a couple of others, which you can certainly check out on the app if you're interested. But 
I just wanted to spend a little bit more time helping people get the most out of their training and achieve results. So that's what this next month is going to be about, or next month or two, it probably is going to be about. And then I've also got some other programs, some new programs in the pipeline that I need some time to work on. Anyway, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I enjoyed writing it. It's something that I wish I knew when I was just starting out on my nutrition journey at the end of my teenage years and even throughout majority of my early 20s as well. And so through some trial and error, I learned this stuff. Also, I got a nutrition certification, which also really helped. But moreover, I applied this information and then I started using it with clients. So I really hope that you get a lot out of this episode. So today we're going to be talking all about nutrition guidelines for leaning out without compromising athletic performance. Now, this is not everything that you need to do. These are just five guidelines, which I think will be helpful for you if you would like to lose some body fat and not have your athletic performance suffer at the same time. Before I get into this episode, let me just give a disclaimer that I don't think that everyone needs to be a certain body composition to excel at a sport or to improve or to enjoy playing, okay? I just want to make that clear. I'm not saying that you should or that you need to be a certain body fat percentage as an athlete or to be able to play a sport well, okay? So just know that my aim of this episode is in no way to try and convince you to lose weight or that it's necessary for you to do so. But if you do want to lose weight and you've been struggling to be consistent with weight loss or you just don't really know what to do and you don't want to follow a diet, let alone an extreme diet like keto or Atkins or something else that will promise you certain results if you follow their restrictions, then I think that you will find this episode helpful. That being said, even if you are happy with your current body composition, you can definitely still benefit from this episode because the principles I'll be outlining are just generally sound nutrition guidelines as well. Now, on the flip side, if you're looking to get really lean, like physique competition levels, then you're going to have to get extremely granular with your nutrition and do more than what I'm talking about in this episode, because that takes a whole lot of commitment on another level. And to be honest, I'd strongly argue that achieving physique levels of leanness won't automatically improve your authentic performance and neither will the nutrition strategies that they follow. And furthermore, that's just not my zone of genius or what I help people with. What is my zone of genius and expertise is helping you realize how your habits and strategies have a profound impact on your nutrition and your performance. So this episode is really for you if you'd like to lose a few pounds sustainably without making crazy changes to your lifestyle and of course without compromising your athletic performance. Because what good is it if you're five pounds lighter, but you don't have the power to move the way you want or the energy to last in a long match? Then That's just counterproductive. So in this episode, I'm going to give you five nutrition guidelines to help you perform and lean out. But before we get into it, I want to be clear that these things on their own are not magic tricks, okay? And more importantly, these tips are only going to be helpful if you already have generally sound nutrition. Like if you've plateaued with weight loss or you're just at a steady weight and you already eat a balanced diet and there are no major red flags, you just like to lean out a little bit, then I think that you'll find these tips helpful. And these are not flashy hacks about not eating after 6 p.m. or training in a fasted state or omitting carbs on rest days or anything like that. Ultimately, those hacks that I just mentioned, like any fancy diet or a fad diet, are just a way to try to get you to reduce your calories at the end of the day. Like intermittent fasting, for instance. If you are on a 16 and eight schedule, meaning you 
fast for 16 hours and then you have an eight hour feeding window, then there's only so much that you can eat during that eight hour window of let's say 12 to 8 p.m. And I think that the reason that intermittent fasting works for some people or any diet for that matter is because it gives them something to stick to. Furthermore, it eliminates something from their diet and that makes it easier to not overeat. And in this case of intermittent fasting, what they're limiting is the time available to eat. And in some cases, yeah, intermittent fasting might make people feel better. That's very individual. But the main reasons that I'm generally against diets like these for most people, but especially athletes, is that one, they're not sustainable in the long term or in uncontrolled situations. And two, they're usually not optimized for athletic performance. So look, if you're listening to this and you found a trick that works for you, then great. But in this episode, I'm going to focus on five strategies that don't force you to change your entire lifestyle. And if you'd like to get a little bit more information on the nutrition guidelines, which I'm going to highlight in this episode, but if you'd like something you can actually study and take away with you and apply, check out the show notes where I've included a link to my nutrition start guide. This is a little cheat sheet that I give to my one-on-one clients, and I also include it in the Squashletic app in the nutrition section. So check the show notes. That's where you can find it, you can download it, and you can actually get started on your better nutrition habits right away. So the first guideline is to include some carbohydrates in your diet, especially surrounding exercise, so before and or after you train. And your athletic performance will be better if you include carbs and likely suffer if you don't, especially if it's a high intensity session like squash or hard strength training, which is going to rely on glucose for energy. And we won't get into energy systems and their pathways in depth, but just know that your power output is going to be limited if you are low on glucose. And yes, your body can use fat as a substrate, but it's not going to be powerful. Okay. Now, when I say include carbohydrates, It doesn't mean carbo load. It just means including a serving of a carbohydrate source in your meal, preferably a complex carbohydrate, meaning whole wheat bread, quinoa, oats, or something else that's going to provide you with some nutrients, some protein, and some fiber. Generally speaking, the simple carbohydrates like white bread or a croissant or a muffin (laughs) have the nutrients stripped from them. So in the way of nutritional value, they don't really do much for you. And that's why they don't fill you up for very long. So if you're looking for the best bang for your buck when it comes to carbohydrates that will actually keep you full and support your athletic performance, opt for carbohydrates which are whole wheat or a whole grain or in their original state like a sweet potato. Insofar as portion sizes, you want to aim for a cupped handful of carbohydrates. So like a cupped handful of cooked oatmeal or potato or a piece of bread if it were to be squished up (laughs) into a ball in your hand. And I'm not suggesting that you forgo serving utensils and you just scoop up some brown rice out of the communal pot because you might get banned from the dinner table for that but it does give you a reference and a way to gauge the size so you're not downing an entire takeout container of rice without a second thought because that is very easy to do now personally i have found that having carbohydrates before training makes a huge difference to my energy output and an added benefit is it sits better in my stomach And if you reduce carbs, you're going to be left mainly with fat and protein and, of course, low-carb veggies, which is mainly water. And all of these foods take a long time to digest, which means that your stomach will probably feel very heavy in training. Now, outside of your training window, the carbohydrates won't matter quite as much for performance, so you could reduce them. However, I think that completely omitting carbs can sometimes backfire because then your body will kind of feel like it's missing something. 
I know that when I had it in my brain that carbs were not essential for me and I could do without them, that I would rarely actually feel satisfied after eating a meal, which was really annoying because you shouldn't feel like you need to keep eating after you finish a meal. And so actually what happened to me was that I would usually end up snacking on something, quote, healthy, like almonds, which, by the way, I'm not putting that in air quotes to say that almonds are not healthy. I'll expand upon this in just a second. But that backfired because almonds and all nuts are actually super calorie dense. So it's very easy to eat lots of them. And if you're trying to lose weight, you could definitely do without an extra 300 or 500 calories from some almonds. So yes, almonds and nuts are healthy. They're just very calorie dense. That's my point about the almonds. So to summarize this first guideline, Include a moderate amount of complex carbohydrates, oats, whole wheat bread, whole wheat pasta, quinoa, brown rice, etc. And choosing that whole wheat or whole grain will provide you with more protein and more fiber, which will help fill you up longer. And it'll also fuel your high intensity athletic performance so it doesn't suffer. My second guideline for leaning out without compromising performance is to prioritize protein and to use it to your advantage. Protein is seriously your best hack because it keeps you full, which is very important when it comes to weight loss or for people who get hungry or get cravings all the time. And also excess calories from protein tends not to get stored as body fat, unlike excess dietary fat and carbohydrates. Plus it's gonna help you retain muscle, especially if you are strength training. So at every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you want to aim for at least one serving of protein, which is usually around 20 to 30 grams. And if you are a guy or you're really active, or you find yourself getting hungry within two hours of eating, I would try having closer to two servings. So somewhere between one and two servings of protein, which would run you about 40 to 60 grams at each meal, which is quite a lot. And just like I was talking about with the carbohydrates, you're also gonna want to use your hand as a portion guide here as well. One serving of a protein source like chicken or turkey or tofu, etc., will be the size of your palm. So look at your hand, take out your fingers, and your palm is what's left. That's how large you want your portion size to be. And having protein at every meal is gonna help you stay satiated between meals so you're not getting too hungry for training and it'll regulate your appetite because it takes so long to digest. So if you feel like you're constantly getting hungry or you're peckish and that's causing you to either overeat at meals or snack more often, try being more conscious of how much protein you're having at meals. I can always tell if I don't have enough protein at a meal because an hour or two after, I'll feel myself wanting to eat something, even if I know that I shouldn't be hungry yet. The second tip that I have when it comes to protein, and this is a real game changer, so be sure to remember this one, is to have a protein bar or a protein shake right after you train if you're not gonna be eating a meal within about 30 minutes. And this one has actually nothing to do with the anabolic window that you might have heard about. This tip is actually a favorite of mine just because of the fact that it'll subdue your hunger so you're not ravenous when you get to your meal, which then means that you'll be less likely to overeat and wolf your meal down. And yes, there are also recovery and pro-muscle benefits, but that's not something you can really feel in the moment. But what you can feel is that if you are so hungry, you could eat an entire Thanksgiving dinner. And that's what we want to avoid. And when you're looking at protein bars or protein shakes, you wanna find a product that's about 100 calories per 10 grams of protein. That's a good bang for your buck calorie and protein wise. 
Personally, when it comes to protein bars, I really like barbells or bear bells, however it's pronounced, which are about 200 calories or maybe even 190. And they've got about 20 grams of protein. And good protein powders are often even better in this respect. And you can find some that taste good that are about 100 to 120 calories per 20 gram of protein serving. And in the past for that, I've used Muscle Farm and Isoflex, which are both whey-based proteins. And at the moment, actually, I've got a vegan protein, which is by Iron Vegan, I believe. And I'm just using it for no other reason than my mom got it for me for Christmas. So yeah, I'll leave it there when it comes to protein and protein powders, because otherwise we'll be here for a while. But just to summarize the second guideline, aim for 20 to 30 grams of a protein source at each meal and then have a protein shake or a protein bar right after training, especially if you won't be eating a meal for at least 30 minutes. My third guideline for leaning out without compromising athletic performance is to include veggies and or fresh fruit at every meal. Aside from the amazing micronutrients that you get from fruits and veggies, they also help fill you up more without as many calories since they're so full of water. And they also take longer to eat and to chew than something like a bowl of pasta, right? You could inhale a bowl of pasta in like three seconds, but chewing a salad or some roasted root vegetables will take you a lot longer. Also, fruit and vegetables are going to have fiber, which helps keep you full. And furthermore, I probably don't need to say this, but I will anyway, your brain and your digestive system in particular will certainly thank you for including veggies and fruits, shall we say, regularly. Personally, I find it pretty easy to get in veggies at lunch and dinner because they're always savory meals like a bowl or an omelet with veggies or I'll include a side salad at dinner most of the time. So it's never hard to get veggies in, in later in the day, but at breakfast, I am not someone who craves savory things. I like to have sweeter breakfasts usually, so like oatmeal. And so what I will do is that I will dump a whole bunch of frozen mixed berries into my oatmeal, which is what I have for breakfast at least half the time. And then this helps me not only get my fresh fruit in, but it also takes up more space in the bowl. So it seems like I'm eating more, but I'm not actually feeling heavier afterwards. It's not weighing me down. And look, I know that veggies aren't the most fun thing and they can be difficult to get when you're eating out or you're on the road or you're traveling, but if you aim to eat more fresh or frozen produce in your meals, it'll help you not only feel better and have more energy, so you'll probably feel better on court, but it'll also help you manage your hunger levels if you are trying to lose weight. My fourth tip for leaning out without compromising athletic performance is to hydrate like a champ all of the time. So not just when you're thirsty or you're at practice all of the time. From the moment you wake up to about an hour before you go to bed, you want to be drinking water. And the reason I say about an hour before you go to bed is because I feel like, in at least in my experience, if I keep drinking water or fluids like tea or anything right up until the moment I go to bed, then there's a pretty high chance I'm going to have to wake up in the middle of the night and go pee. So I don't really like to be disturbed. I'd rather sleep right through the night. So that's why I try and cut myself off from beverages about an hour before bedtime. And there's both performance and weight loss benefits to being hydrated, which is why I think it's so important. From an athletic standpoint, being dehydrated is just going to decrease your performance, okay? Your body does not adapt to training dehydrated. It just does not. It'll just decrease your power output and your drills or your sessions will feel a lot harder if you're dehydrated. So not only will you feel worse, but you won't actually be able to push as hard or get as much out of your session. 
And if you're super thirsty during your session, you're already dehydrated. So you want to make sure that you're constantly drinking throughout the day so that then your body isn't trying to play catch up during your session. The other reason that you want to stay hydrated is that oftentimes dehydration can be mistaken for hunger. So if you haven't been drinking enough, you might think that you're hungry, but actually you're just dehydrated. I call this fake hunger. <laughs> and so just a few tips for staying hydrated that I personally find helpful. One, have a glass of water when you wake up with coffee. Not put the water in your coffee, just have a glass of water on the side as you drink your coffee. <laughs> Two, carry a water bottle with you at all times. And three, always drink a glass of water with your meal, which also helps you to not overeat and not to eat so fast. And how much you need to drink is going to depend on your individual sweat rate, as well as how hot or dry it is outside. So as a rough guideline, just drink enough so that you are peeing clear or nearly clear two times a day. And that's something that you can easily see. And so it's, you know, measurable. And my fifth and final guideline for leaning out without compromising athletic performance is to not drastically cut calories. If you do this, your energy levels will suffer, which is going to decrease your performance. Also, your body is smart and it knows to reduce your energy expenditure if you're low on fuel, meaning it'll decrease your power output and it'll even mess with your willingness to train or just to move around during the day. Furthermore, for you ladies that are listening to this, underfueling can lead to amenorrhea, which is when you lose your period, which is bad news. Messing up your hormones so badly that your body thinks it can't and shouldn't reproduce is not healthy. <laughs> when I was in high school and college, I frequently lost my period, but I didn't really know why until I actually did a paper in college about the female athlete triad, which is where consistent undereating in females leads to a loss of your period and a loss in bone density. And actually, my freshman year of college, I lost my period for about 10 months, which is a long time. I think from December until September of my sophomore year. And that was definitely the longest amount of time that I lost it. And I would say that for the first half of that period, so to speak, I was actually trying to eat less and train more. I was trying to lean out. But then after I got to the point where I was happy with how much I'd leaned out, I actually then started to consciously eat more. I think I tracked it and it was about 3000 calories a day. So it was definitely not an insignificant amount, but my period still didn't return for about six months. And I never went to see a doctor or anything, but I think that it's because my body was still super stressed and also because I was still training a lot. And maybe this is something I'll go through in another episode, but yeah, basically I felt fine and I was eating lots, but I was still training at a high volume. And I think that my body just stayed in this stressed out mode for months because of it. So to hopefully avoid this issue, although I don't recommend counting calories because it can be tedious and inaccurate. If you were to have a rough estimate, I would say to keep it to a maximum of a 500 calorie deficit of your total daily calorie expenditure. So for instance, if you are roughly burning 2,500 calories, you would not want to eat less than 2,000 calories. And sure, you could get by on a day or two with fewer calories, and obviously you're going to survive. But if you try and maintain that sort of regime for days or weeks at a time, you're going to notice some very big drawbacks in your performance. So if you are interested in losing a bit of body fat or you're just interested in eating a bit healthier, I really hope that this episode was helpful for you. I know that at the beginning of my own nutrition journey, I was Googling the exact title of this episode, so I know what it's like to be on the other side. 
And as I alluded to here, I also made some mistakes along the way, which is part of the reason that I wanted to get my nutrition coaching certificate in the first place, because so many of my personal training and squash coaching clients had nutrition questions. And it's something that I wanted to be knowledgeable about so I could help support them and help support you on that front as well. And if you'd like a little bit more information on the guidelines that I talked about in this episode, check out the show notes where I've included a link to my nutrition quick start guide, which is basically a cheat sheet that I send to all of my one-on-one clients. And I also include it in the nutrition section of the Squashletic app. So if you're a member, if you're a Squashletic member, you can go to the learn tab, hit nutrition, and you'll find it there. And this guide goes through portion sizing for meals, how to optimally balance your meal, It has a grocery list, meal prep strategies, and even some sample meals. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, click on the link in my show notes where you can access all of that for free. Okay, that's all I have for you today. As always, if you found this helpful, please rate it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening. And I would so, so appreciate it if you could take five seconds and leave a review as well. That would definitely help the show grow and reach more people. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again in the next episode. I am a precision nutrition level one certified coach, but I am not a nutritionist, dietitian, or a doctor. And nothing in this episode, any of my episodes, my Instagram page, my website, or my programs are intended to be interpreted as medical advice. And you should always check with your doctor before applying any of this information.